Thank you, Tony. Before we open up God's Word, let's spend some time in prayer. Our Father who is in heaven, good morning, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Father, you are that heavenly Father we always long for. Jesus, you're the best big brother ever. Holy Spirit, welcome. Hallowed be your name. In our worship today, in our family and work and play this week, may we treat your name as holy. Your kingdom come. King Jesus, you lead and help us to follow you. King Jesus, help us to spread the gospel of the kingdom throughout the world. And King Jesus, we long for that day you come back and your kingdom is here in all of its fullness. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Holy Spirit, fall for us. May we do your will and, and may it spread throughout our community. Give us this day our daily bread. You know our financial and physical needs as individuals and families and as a church. Lord, meet our needs. We are dependent upon you. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lord, forgive us our sins. And Lord, as you forgive us, help us to forgive others. Lord, we pray that you would not lead us into temptation, but you would deliver us from evil, deliver us from the flesh within us, the world around us, and the evil one above us. As we open your word today, Holy Spirit, help us to see Jesus. We do pray for revival. That is our greatest need. Will you not yourself revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? We long for revival in your church and a spiritual awakening in our land. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hope you guys had a thankful Thanksgiving. We did. Uh, we had five of our six kids were in town. We had all of our grandkids in town. We started Thanksgiving Day playing some pickleball. And then in the afternoon, we had a Thanksgiving dinner that Ned cooked for us, and it was very good. After that, we got all of our kids and grandkids together in a circle, and I read Psalm 100. And then we shared what we were thankful for. We had a little bit of time where we thanked God. And then we went out and we sat around a campfire. I don't know about you, but I love campfires. And, and you sit around it, and it's just a special time. And we made s'mores. But the wind always seems to blow in my direction. Does that happen to you? And smoke came in my face. And pretty soon, you know what happened? I began to smell like smoke. And that's what I'm praying is going to happen today. We're gathered together in the presence of Jesus today. And what I'm praying is we gather in his presence. Before you know it, we're going to start thinking like him and acting like him. We're going to smell like Jesus. So that as we leave here today, that we fill this community up with the sweet aroma of the knowledge of Christ in every place. That's why we gather, to be like Jesus. And that's why we scatter, to make Him known wherever we go. Oh, this morning, <clears throat> the point of today's message is that Jesus is the vine. Will you say that with me? Jesus is the vine. If you're new, we've been walking through the seven great I Ams in John. The title of the series has been called, Who Does Jesus Think He Is? And we've been learning, right? Uh, the seven great I Ams, we've looked at how Jesus said, I am the bread of life. We looked at how he said, I am the light of the world. 
I am the door, I am the good shepherd, I am the resurrection and the life. Last week we looked at I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And now we come to the seventh one where Jesus says, I am the vine. The next couple of weeks we're going to look at a couple of bonus I am's and that's going to lead us right into Christmas. We have a very special Christmas Eve services planned. Who are you going to invite? Who do you know that you would love to see come to faith in Christ? Won't you begin to pray for them and bring them with you then? But today, we're going to read from John 15. So if you have your Bible, turn there with me. And if you don't, um, why not bring a Bible? If you open it up, it smells like Jesus. And that's why we, we get into his word, so that we too would smell like Jesus. Jesus is on every page. And, um, and, and John 15, let me set it up for you a little bit. John 13 to 18, all these chapters all took place on Thursday night. They were all that last night. In a few hours, Jesus would be on the cross. It started in the upper room, and it went all the way out to the Garden of Gethsemane. And so we learned in chapter 13 that Jesus loved his own who were in the world, and he loved them to the end. Don't you want to be like that? To love the people you love and to love them to the end. And then we learned, we, we learned that he, he washed the feet of his disciples. He instituted the Lord's Supper. He taught the disciples he was about to go to the cross. And then in chapter 14, he said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. All right, it's that same night. It's that same night, still in the upper room in John 15, 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. This is the seventh great I am in John, and, and it's where we're going to spend most of our time. But sometimes people say, you know, Smiley, do you take the Bible literally? Uh, what would you say? I, I would say, well, I take the Bible as literature, and there's many kinds of literature in the Bible. And I also believe that the plain and simple meaning of any passage is almost always the right uh, the, the plain and simple is almost always the right meaning. Right here, I don't believe that Jesus is a vine. I believe that Jesus lived in a culture where grapes were very common and vines, and he took a part of life and used it to illustrate a spiritual truth. And so what we see about Jesus in here is, he's, first of all, he says, I am the vine, and when he says, I am, he's claiming to be God. Because many years earlier, Moses said to God, what's your name? And God said, my name is... I am. So I am who I am. So he's claiming to be God. And then notice he says, I am the vine. Not a vine among many, but I am the vine. And so we get a picture of Jesus, that Jesus is the vine. And we also get a picture of who we are. He says, you are the branches. He's the vine. We're the branches. And what we learn from this is everything we need, everything we need to begin the Christian life, and everything we need to live the Christian life flows into us through Jesus, just like everything that a branch needs to bear fruit comes through the vine. Jesus is the vine, we're the branches. Everything we need to begin the Christian life and to live the Christian life flows to us through Jesus. 
I want you to notice, too, that Jesus wants every disciple, every Christian, to bear much fruit. He says that we are to bear fruit. And then lastly, I want you to see the key to bearing fruit is to abide in Jesus. Uh, the word abide uh, is used eight times in ten verses. Abide, 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 abide. And we're going to learn that means to be with a friend who loves us and stay there. So everything we need to begin the Christian life and live the Christian life flows to us through Jesus. It all comes through the gospel. We begin the Christian life by believing the gospel. And John 15, 5, preaches to us the gospel. The gospel has both bad news and good news. And the bad news of the gospel is the latter part of verse 5. Jesus says, for apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, now what does that mean? Well, first of all, it's literally true. It's literally true. If Jesus didn't give us breath, we wouldn't breathe. And if Jesus didn't hold the universe together, we couldn't do anything. So it's literally true that apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. But I think particularly here, he's saying that we cannot save ourselves. Apart from us, we can do nothing that is pleasing to God. Let me show you that in Romans chapter 8. In Romans chapter 8, Verse 7, because the mind set on the flesh is hostile toward God. The flesh is the sinful nature we're born with. It says by nature we are hostile toward God. And you say, well, we're not hostile toward God, really? The Bible says honor your father and mother. And we say, I'm not doing that. How about in our culture? Is there any hostility in our culture? The Bible says sex belongs in marriage to be enjoyed alone between a man and woman. Any pushback against that in our culture? Is there? Who is God to tell us we'll have sex with who we want to? We have a hostility toward God. God says, listen, don't steal, don't bear false witness. And we respond not just with disobedience, don't tell me how to live. The mindset on the flesh is hostile toward God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God. It is not even able to do so, and those who are in the flesh cannot please God. In our own strength, even if we wanted to, which we don't, we couldn't please God because we're sinners. And because we're sinners, we've committed crime after crime against God, and the Bible says what we deserve for what we've done is hell. That's the bad news. The good news of the gospel is in verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides me. Jesus says he supplies us with everything we need to have life with God, life that's abundant and eternal. When Jesus says he's the vine, he's saying that he's God, who, the Son who put on flesh and came to earth. And, and the reason he came to earth is to get into heaven, you have to be perfect. Any of us perfect? So what Jesus came to do was to do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. So he lived a perfect life for us because to get into heaven, you have to be perfect and we're not. Not only did he live the life that God requires that we couldn't live, but he died the death that our sins deserve. The penalty for sin is death. And so the sinless one took our sins upon himself and died in her place. 
once and for all, crying out, it is finished. And on the third day, Jesus rose from the grave and he offers us eternal life, the forgiveness of sins and the chance to do life in eternity with him. And what does he require of us? That we believe in him, that we receive him as our Savior and Lord. Let me show you that. The verse <clears throat> that Jesus used to change my life and my eternity is Revelation 3.20, where Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and will dine with him and he with me. Jesus says, I want to be your Savior. I want to be your Lord. I want to move into you. I want to forgive you. Let's do life together. Let's do eternity together. And man, when I heard him knocking and I saw my sins and I thought I could be forgiven and do life and eternity with Jesus, I invited him in. Won't you? And inviting Jesus in as Savior and Lord really is as simple as ABC, where we admit and believe and commit. I mean, there was a day that I admitted to Jesus that I was a sinner. And if you've never done that, won't you do that now? Or I'll be glad to give you that chance when we close in prayer. But Jesus, I've sinned against you, and I'm sorry. And I believed, won't you? Jesus, I believe that you died and rose for me. And then I committed to Jesus as Savior and Lord. Jesus, come in and forgive me. And he did. And, and, and give me eternal life. And he did. Won't you? Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. Help me be the person you want me to be. Oh, and he did. Won't you? Have you done that? Do you hear what Jesus says? Behold, I stand at the door knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens, I will come in to him and will dine with him and he with me. Dining together in biblical times was about friendship. Jesus moves in so that we can have forgiveness and we can do life and eternity with him. That's what John 15, 5 is talking about. I am the vine, <clears throat> you're the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, that we receive Jesus as Savior and Lord. And notice it says that we abide in him, but it talks about that he's in us. So my question is, are we in Christ or is he in us? Which is it? Don't be ashamed. It, it, it was a, it's both, right? That we're in Christ and he's in us. And that's a doctrine, a great doctrine of the Bible that's called union with Christ. Union with Christ, it's an important doctrine. The moment we believe we are united to Christ, we are in Christ, and He lives in us. Let me show you that. In Christ? How about 2 Corinthians 5, 17? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ. Ah, when we believe in Jesus, we're engrafted into Christ, engrafted into the vine. Our branch is plugged into the vine. We are in Christ. He's a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. Aren't you glad to be a Christian? Aren't you glad that the, the old things have passed away and, and new things have come because we're in Christ? But doesn't the Bible teach the, uh, the other two that Christ is in us? We read Revelation 3.20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him. We get to do life with Jesus. We get to do life together. And, and he comes to live in us and I will dine with him and he with me. Or how about in Galatians 2.20? What a great verse. I have been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The Christian life isn't about trying our best. It's about Jesus moving into us and living his life in us and through us, right? Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. Oh, the latter part. I mean, 
John 3.16 says God loves what? The world. But you know what Galatians 2.20 says? He loves me. Jesus loves me. He knows everything. And he lo- Do you know he loved me and gave himself up for me and for you? Union with Christ means that when we receive Jesus as our Savior and Lord, we are in Christ and he is in us and he supplies us with everything we need to live the Christian life. Back to John 15, 5. <clears throat> what do we get when we're in Christ and he's in us? You know what we get? We get an identity. Don't we hear a lot about that in our culture today, having an identity? We get an identity. Do you know who I am? I'm a branch. I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Christ. We get an identity, right? We get a community. Don't we all have a longing for belonging? We get a a place to belong. Notice, you, it's in the second, y'all are branches. We're not alone. We're connected to Jesus, but also to one another. I hear Christians say all the time, I don't feel at home in our culture. You know we're not supposed to. We belong to his body. We get an identity. We get a community. We get a purpose. When we get Jesus, we get a purpose. We're to bear fruit and glorify God. Notice, I'm the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I, he bears much fruit. Our purpose as disciples is to bear much fruit. So so what is the fruit that we are to bear? The fruit is Christ-likeness. It's Christ-likeness. That when Jesus moves into us, he becomes our model. He becomes our model for life and ministry. And so to bear fruit means that we take on us more and more of the life of Christ. We become like him but it also that we take on more and more the work of Christ. We, we become like in our character and in our conduct. And to help us in this, Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit says, look at the life that Jesus lived. Don't you want to do life like that? And so we follow him in our life. And then the Holy Spirit says, look at the ministry of Jesus. Don't you want to give your life to what's going to matter forever? Follow Jesus in your ministry. So at Good News, we love to say we want to make disciples together. We ask the question, what is a disciple? And a disciple is a, come on, you know, a follower of Jesus. Disciples follow him. They follow him in life and ministry. And we say, well, what does that look like? We we love to say it looks like this, that a disciple is growing in a love for Jesus. A disciple is growing in his love for one another in the body. And a disciple is growing in their love for lost people. As we abide in Jesus, we grow in our love for him, for one another, and the lost. Verse 6, if anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away as a branch and dries up. And they gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. Listen, Jesus wants us to bear fruit. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. So we're plugged into Christ, and he lives in us. So Jesus speaks to us in his word, and we speak to him in prayer. That's how we communicate. That's how we abide in Christ. He speaks to us in his word. We speak back in prayer. 
And you know why we speak back in prayer? Because everything Jesus asks us, to, everything Jesus commands us to do is impossible for us to do. And so Jesus commands us to do something and we respond in prayer. We say what? Help. Jesus says, obey me. And we say, help. And Jesus calls us to love one another. And we say, help. And Jesus says, I want you to win people to Christ. And I want you to make disciples. And we say, help. So Jesus speaks to us in his word. We acknowledge our need of him in prayer and say, help. And then he reminds us of our purpose. My father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Uh, As we overflow in a growing love for Jesus, we bring glory to God. As we overflow in a growing love for one another, we bring glory to God. As we overflow in a growing love for lost people, we bring glory to God. If you love me, keep my commandments. You will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Um, I think it might... Might have skipped verse 9. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Jesus says that if we love him, we will keep his commandments, right? Uh, we might say, well, well which commandments? Well, uh, how about all of them, right? I mean, Jesus is our model, right, for life and ministry. So doesn't Jesus model for us what it would look like to keep the Ten Commandments, doesn't he? Doesn't he model for us what it would look like to honor our father and mother? Doesn't he model for us the way a man should treat a woman? Doesn't he model for us what a life would look like if we didn't steal or bear false witness or covenant? Doesn't it? And doesn't the Holy Spirit say, doesn't he live a, didn't he live a beautiful life? Don't you want to follow him? But listen, when Jesus says that we keep his commandments, he also commands us to love one another. That's the, he is our model for ministry. And Jesus won people to faith in Christ, right? I mean, what was his last commandment? What was Jesus' last commandment? What? He said, please don't embarrass me. He said, go and make disciples, right, of all the nations, right? Wasn't that his last command? Go and make disciples. And so to love him means that we follow him, his commandments that deal with life and also with ministry. But because they come from a growing love for Christ, they're not a burden. In 1 John, I really loved reading 1 John this week. Listen to this. For this is the love of God. So if we're growing in our love for God, how do we notice that? There's a growing obedience, right? For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. They're not burdensome because they're the overflow of love. Years ago, years ago, we were involved in something that said growing kids God's ways, growing kids God's way, and it said that rules without relationships always lead to rebellion. That rules without relationships always lead to rebellion. So if you hear the Ten Commandments, if you hear Jesus' commands, and you don't know and love Jesus, it leads to rebellion. Oh, But when you know the one who gives you the commandments, when you love him, you you keep his commandments and they're not burdensome. Um, Verse 10 back, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. As we're following Jesus, we experience more and more of his love. 
These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. Now, I want you to know Jesus says we have a joy problem, but it's not what you think. Jesus doesn't say we're having way too much fun. I'm going to steal your joy. What Jesus says is we don't have enough joy, so I want to get fill you with my joy. And so if we want more joy, a great question to ask would be, what is it? What is it that brings Jesus joy? Because what he says here is so that my joy may be in you. Well, Jesus tells us what brings him joy. In Luke chapter 15, he tells us, he says, I tell you that in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Jesus says what brings him joy is when his people share the gospel and someone comes to faith in Christ, listen, they throw a party in heaven. And Jesus invites us to be a part of that. And so this week, one of our members had an opportunity to share the gospel with someone, and they came to faith in Christ. And we rejoice over one profession of faith this week. But then he, he texts me this message because he was experiencing the joy of Jesus. He says, Smiley, thank you so much for praying for my meeting with Bill. I, I, I took that out. I wanted to let you know that Bill prayed the sinner's prayer at the end of our conversation using the Do You Know booklet. I, I just went and, and I read to him the gospel and I asked him and he, and he put his faith in Christ. I'm very excited for Bill and his family. Bill plans to share the book with his family tonight. Thank you again. And that's what we encourage people to do. Listen, that we have read this to you. Go and read it to someone else. And this guy who texted me is over the moon because Jesus has used him to see someone else come to faith in Christ. So his joy is made full. Isn't that what we read this week? Haven't you enjoyed reading in 1 John this week? Do you remember how 1 John starts? Uh, So John wrote... By the way, John wrote his letter so that we would, he wrote his gospel so that we would believe in Jesus and have eternal life. And he wrote his letter so that we who know Jesus would know we have eternal life. But, but notice what he says, what was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. He says, listen, we've been doing life with Jesus. And when you're doing life with Jesus, you can't keep him to yourself. And the life was manifested, and we have seen and testify and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. We know Jesus. We know eternal life. What we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you also, that you too may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son. These things we write so that our joy may be made complete. Every time someone new came to faith in Christ, John's joy increased. Every time someone was added to the family, his joy was made more full. Um, Jesus wants us to be full of his joy, the joy of seeing people come to faith in Christ and lives changed and his church grow. Back to John 15, a, a growing love for Jesus A growing love for one another. Verse 12, this is my commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. See that love one another? A lot of times people will say, Smiley, why do you say that a disciple has three great loves? That you love Jesus, you love one another, and you love the lost. Shouldn't you just say to love God and love your neighbor? Listen, the Bible speaks so much, and especially Jesus, about a special love that you love one another. See the word one another? 
The Bible calls us to love our neighbor. The Bible calls us to love even our enemy. But when you see one another, he's talking about in the church. Encourage one another. Build up one another. Love one another. Love one another. This is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. Loving one another in the church is very important. And why is that? Well, first of all, loving the church is important because the church is the bride of Christ. The reason I love the church is because the church is the bride of Christ. And you might say, you might say she's not a looker to me. But I love the church because the church is the bride of Christ, and he loves his church, and so do I. I love the church because the church is not only the bride of Christ, it's the body of Christ. It's the body of Christ, and with all of her flaws, the church is Jesus' plan A, his plan A for reaching the nations. And by the way, there is no plan B. Uh, Let me show you what Jesus said about loving one another in John 13 verse 34, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another. So so what's unique about Jesus? The importance of loving one another. Do you know how many Christians I know who are detached from the church? They say, Jesus and me, we're cool, but I don't need a church. But Jesus says, this is my commandment that you love one another. How? Even as I have loved you. Well, the church is flawed. (laughs) Well, aren't we? Doesn't Jesus love flawed people like you and, and, and me? even as I have loved you, that you love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Jesus says the world around us has one criteria to decide whether we're really disciples or not, and that one criteria is what? Do we love one another? Um, remember a couple of years ago, we were walking through First Peter, and... Uh, and so in 1 Peter 4, 8, above all, I mean, you start above all. What do you think it would say? Like, you know, read your Bible or be nice or something. But if 1 Peter 4 says, above all, what keep fervent in your love for one another, because that's the mark we're disciples, is the love we have. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another, because love covers a multitude of sins. Do you know what that means? It means if you're involved in a church, you're going to be hurt, disappointed, let down a multitude of times. But because we've been forgiven a multitude of sins, the church is different from our culture because the church is a place where forgiven people forgive. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another, for love covers a multitude of sins. Well, what about... Uh, what about the person who says, you know, I, I just don't, I, I don't really want to, to love God's people. What did we read about this week in 1 John 4? 1 John 4, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. Well, Smiley, are you saying? I'm just reading the word to you, okay? Jesus, his word says that if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. So the fruit that comes from abiding in Christ is a growing love for Jesus. It's a growing love for one another. Back to John 15, verse 14, you are my friends if you do what I command you. Did you hear that? 
What does Jesus call us? What? Friends. We once were his enemies, and now he calls us friends. Isn't that amazing? Jesus calls me, you, friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing, but I've called you friends. For all things I heard from my Father, I have made known to you. He's taught us all that the Father taught him. Oh, this is, listen. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give to you. Do do you know there's a big sporting event going on now? Did you know that? Do do you know what's all over the world? It's called the World Cup. Have Have you ever seen the opening ceremony? The, The two teams, there's 11 on each side and they line up and they're wearing a jersey. 11 people out of their whole nation, 11 people out of their whole nation are chosen. And they're wearing a jersey that represents a country. And most of them are out of their mind. They dreamed about that moment all their life. Have you noticed I didn't get chosen for the U.S.? (laughs) But Jesus said, Smiley, I want you on my team. Are you a Christian? Jesus has chosen you to play on his team, to be involved in something infinitely more important than winning soccer games. He wants us to be on his team, and he wants us to win people to Christ and make disciples who can make disciples. He wants us on his team. Wow. Listen, a disciple is bearing fruit, a growing love for Jesus, a growing love for one another, a growing love for the laws. He repeats it one more time. This I command you, that you love one another. Well, Smiley, how do we do that? How do we do that? I, I love 1 John and 1 John 4, 19. We love because he first loved us. Listen, we love Jesus and we're growing in our love for him because he first loved us. We love one another, and we're growing in our love for one another because he first loved us. We love lost people because he first loved us. And so what we've seen so far today in John 15, 5, is I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. Jesus is the vine, we're the branches. Everything we need to begin the Christian life and live the Christian life flows to us through Jesus. That Jesus wants all of us to bear much fruit. And the key to bearing much fruit is to abide, to abide in Jesus. So guess what the action step is for this week? I want you to abide. To abide, to, to be with a friend who loves you and stay there. To be with a friend who loves us and stay there. So let me help you get there. To abide means we believe the bad news of the gospel. We believe the bad news of the gospel. When Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing, we believe that. And isn't that why we're here? Listen, we're not here because we're good people. We're here because we recognize we're not. The reason we go to small group, it's not like we're good. The reason we gather in small groups is we recognize we're not. The reason we get up and and have breakfast with Jesus is not because we're such good people. We have breakfast with Jesus. It's because we believe the bad news of the gospel that without Jesus, we're not going to overcome sin. We're not going to honor our parents. We're not going to stay married. We're not going to win people to Christ. We're not going to make disciples apart from Christ. 
And so we abide with Jesus because we believe the bad news of the gospel. That apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. But to abide means we believe the good news of the gospel. That with Jesus, we can bear much fruit. With Jesus, we can overcome sin. We can follow Jesus. We can love one another. We can win people to Christ. We can make disciples. We can lead a small group. We can do that through abiding in Christ. To abide in Christ means we remember, remember the greatest sin for a Christian. The greatest sin for a Christian isn't some sin, it's leaving, it's leaving. It's not saying a bad word or having too much to drink. No, it's doing those things and then leaving. I'm listening to this Christian who runs a Christian recovery center to help people overcome addictions. And he was asked, well, what is your plan for helping people to be set free from addictions? He says, very simple. First of all, we connect them to Jesus, connect to Jesus. Secondly, we connect them to biblical community. We need Jesus, but we also need each other. And thirdly, we connect them to God's word. We connect people to Jesus, to biblical community, and God's word. And then he was asked, how many of them relapse? You know what he said? All of them. They all relapse, but if they stay, if they stay connected to Jesus, if they stay connected to biblical community, if they stay connected to God's Word, they get better. We want to make disciples together. What's our strategy? We want to connect people to Jesus. We want to connect people to one another, to biblical community, and we want to get them into God's Word. Smiley, how many... Uh, of the believers at Good News relapse. How many? All of them do, don't we? And the key then is to stay. I do not have many good qualities, but there's one quality I do have. I have stayed. I've stayed with Jesus for a long time with no regrets. I've stayed in biblical community for a long time with no regrets. I've stayed in God's Word for a long time with no regrets. And because I've stayed, I have become better. Not better than you. Not better than lost people. I know a lot of lost people who are way better than me. But listen, I'm way better than when Jesus moved in. He didn't have much to work with. Listen, I have experienced progress in overcoming sin. I have not as much progress as I had, had longed for or thought of, but I have made progress. Haven't you? Listen, I've been able to stay married for a long time. I've been able to win people to Christ. I've been able to make disciples because I've stayed. So let's remember what it means, what it means to abide is to believe the bad news of the gospel, that apart from Jesus we can't do anything, and the good news that with Jesus we can bear much fruit, and to remember how important it is that we stay. So, every Sunday we have an opportunity to, to gather in the presence of Jesus, don't we? Will we be here? Do we recognize how much we need it? I mean, Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and we'll dine with him. And he, what if we thought each week we get to dine with Jesus? Same with small group. Every morning we have a chance to get up and have breakfast with Jesus. When I get up, he's got the coffee there. He's saying, let's spend time. And I do. Um, 
You know what happens when we spend time with Jesus? It's just like a campfire. I, I, I do love campfires, don't you? But, but you're there for a while, and, and, and the smoke blows into your face, and pretty soon your hair smells like it, and your skin smells like it, and your clothes smell like it, and pretty soon you reek with smoke, right? And everywhere you go, people will say, listen, have you been around a fire? You know what I'm praying for? What I dream about? Is we spend time with Jesus on Sunday in small group and every week, and you know what? Our hair begins to smell like Jesus, and our skin begins to smell like Jesus, and our clothes, and everywhere we go, people say, I smell Jesus. Have you been with him? Oh, isn't that what it means to abide? But thanks to God, but thanks be to God who always leads us in his triumph in Christ and manifests through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. Wouldn't that be great? You know, I so know so many Christians who are always complaining about our time in which we live. We have an opportunity to be with Jesus and then go and fill our community up with the sweet aroma of the knowledge of Christ in every place. For we are a fragrance of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing, to the one an aroma from death to death and to the other an aroma from life to life. And who is adequate for these things? Oh, wouldn't you like to fill our community up with the sweet aroma of the knowledge of Christ, wouldn't you? Here's how. First we spend time with Jesus, and then we go when we make him known. Um, this week, let's spend time with Jesus, and let's fill our community up with the sweet aroma of the knowledge of Christ in every place. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for coming to seek and save sinners. Thank you for living that perfect life for us, for dying in our place and rising and offering us eternal life. Listen, if you've never received this gift, if you've never received Jesus as your Savior and Lord, won't you? I mean, he's here. Won't you say, Jesus, I've sinned against you and, and I'm sorry. I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And I want you to come in and, and be my Savior and forgive me and give me eternal life. I want you to be Lord of my life. Help me be the person you want me to be. Well, if you've done that for the first time, won't you mark it on your card? We'd love to celebrate with you. Jesus, thank you for inviting us to spend time with you. Lord, may worship be a priority and, and, and going to small group and getting up and having breakfast with you. And Lord, as we spend time with you, as we spend time with you, help us to grow in our love for you and, and one another and the lost. And then Lord, as we go out this week, as we go out, may we go out on mission to fill this community up with the sweet aroma of the knowledge of Christ in every place. For we pray